The following is a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Malik Law, not WBEV or Good Karma Brands. Thanks very much, LA. Good morning and welcome to a Me Like Monday here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge and streaming live at dailydodge.com. I'm Amy Hudson, Rob Melik in the studio with us today. And Rob, I am laughing at each of us because we're right on time, right on time for the show today. Yet both you and I were like, okay, come on, let's go, let's go. Usually on a Monday, it's kind of like, oh, it's a Monday, but uh, not the two of us together. We are ready to help people plan properly when it comes to estate planning. And this is not just something for older people. Um, estate planning, um, yes, while for the elderly, is also for the young family. Um, Rob is here to answer your questions and really to help you focus on how to get things in order. And all questions are welcome. You don't know what you don't know. So ring us up on the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline at 885-4446. Good morning, Rob Milek. Good morning, Amy Hudson. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you today? Doing great. It's another uh, wonderful Monday morning. Uh, it's cold. I like cold. So oh. uh, yeah, I can't ask for much more than that. So it's, it's going well. I think we are going to have a white Christmas. I sure hope so. <laughs> At this point, there's snow on the ground and uh, I don't see it getting above freezing for the next... Uh, Next couple of days or so. So yeah, white Christmases are always welcome in, in in my in my book. So and do you feel ready for the holiday? You've got two young kiddos and a lovely wife and all kinds of things. I'm sure planned over the holiday break. Are you ready for it? Uh, yeah, the boys are excited. Their last day of school is Wednesday, so nice. that'll be fun. Um, I do an annual tradition where I pull one boy out of school the last day of the school year and I drive around to my referral sources and deliver uh, Christmas gifts. So it's uh, my Aww. oldest one, Grady's turn this year. So he's uh, he's excited about it. He's the one who wants to take over the firm as opposed to the other one who doesn't so uh, i think it means a little more to him to be able to do that plus you know getting out of school a day early getting to go to lunch with dad yeah that's a big deal it's a fun day i think this is like we didn't do it during the covid year but i, th I think this is the fourth or fifth year we've done it so that's really uh, nice yeah it's a lot of fun you know we, we drive around and uh yeah it's it's, it's a nice uh, fun day with the boy and you uh, do a lot of traveling um going out to see to see your clients on appointments because while um you're here in Beaver Dam today you do share an office with uh, the higher insurance folks over in the Heritage Mall. Um, people can also connect with you in Port Washington, Germantown, and West Bend. She got them all. Oh, right. Four, four for four, Amy. Great work. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do you. have those four offices there. Uh, Germantown, I guess, is my main office, if you want to call it that. That's where my paralegal is. Um, have the majority of my appointments out of uh, Germantown, but I do, again, have offices in Beaver Dam, uh, West Bend, and Port Washington as well. Uh, and I also make house visits. A lot of my clients uh, have mobility issues. Sometimes my clients would simply prefer to meet in the comfort of their own home. Sometimes it's easier to centralize family members at sure. their home as opposed to going to a law office. Sometimes we uh, have to meet during non-business hours, and it's easier to meet at someone's home as opposed to uh, going to one of my offices. So I do make house calls as well. Um, so I do offer free initial consultations to everybody. That's so, really generous. Yeah, no, it's one of those things where I, you know, I've learned enough about this in my 15 years of practice to know that uh, there, there's a lot of reasons people already have to not see an estate planning attorney. I don't want cost for an initial consult to be another one of them. So I do offer a free initial no obligation consultation and whether that is to review existing documents or to discuss the benefits of new or updated estate planning documents, that first consultation is always free. Uh, and I do also offer a 20% discount to WBEV listeners. So uh, if you do decide to uh, schedule an appointment, make sure you mention that you heard me on WBEV and we'll take 20% off the bill for you. So generous and a great way to get into the new year would be to have everything 
pulled together properly when it comes to those estate plans. Well, it's funny you say that, Amy. I mean, a lot of people tell me they've had this as a New Year's resolution. Uh, it's not a garden variety New Year's resolution, but again, you know, what's a common New Year's resolution? I'm going to go to the gym more. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do things like that. These are self-improvement things. These are things that we all know are good things and life gets in the way and sometimes we don't accomplish them. Well, estate planning is kind of similar. Uh, the one nice thing about estate planning is, at least in terms of the actual creation of the documents, it's a one and done situation. Now, certainly we encourage you to look at and update the documents over time and I don't charge to revise documents, but but uh, as far as the actually getting the documents done, I always tell my clients an imperfect estate plan is better than no estate plan. Mm -hmm. So if down the road there are changes or things that need to be addressed or altered, uh, we have the ability to do that. But again, estate planning is New Year's resolution. When you take a step back, it does kind of make sense. Because at the end of the day, it, it is pretty similar to those other more common types of New Year's resolutions. So if it's something you've been meaning to do, uh, take it off your bucket list. I hear that quite a bit, too. Um, not that this is a you know great experience. I mean, most people's bucket list, I want to see the Grand Canyon. Or I want to you know, do all that. It, this is admittedly not as fun as that, uh, but it is practical. Uh, it is something that we all need to do. Uh, a statement that I'm sure I will defend uh, as the course of the day goes on here today. Every single person over the age of 18 needs an estate plan. Now, admittedly, the type of estate plan that an 18-year-old who's a senior in high school needs is not the same as a as that of a couple approaching retirement. Nevertheless, they're both estate plans. So uh, I can help people no matter what stage of life you're at, again, assuming you're over the age of 18, to make sure that you have the appropriate estate plan for the risks that you face in your current situation. And then as those risks change over time, we have the ability to update the documents accordingly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you talk about an appropriate estate plan, that's because you know, people experience different changes over the course of a lifetime. So an estate plan that someone needs at a young age may look completely different from something years down the road. Why does someone need an estate plan, Rob Mielek? Well, so let's kind of walk through the stages of that. And let's start with the 18-year-old. Uh, and, and, and for purposes of this discussion, I don't care where the 18-year-old is situated. There are a lot of 18-year-olds presently who are seniors in high school mm -hmm. right now, right? Uh, some have graduated. Yeah, I know we've talked about this before, Amy, just because I happen to have a summer birthday. I graduated high school at 17. I didn't skip a grade or anything. But Smarty pants. No, nothing to do with that, <laughs> believe me. Um, I did skip sixth grade math, but that's a different issue. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where um, it, a lot of people are 18 when they reach their senior year of high school. And most 18-year-olds who are seniors in high school are still living with their parents. That's very common. There are very few emancipated 18-year-olds. There's a few of them out there, but not too many. Um, the moment that child reaches the age of 18, they need an estate plan. Why? Because the moment they reach the age of 18, they are an adult under the eyes of the law, in particular as it relates to a law that most people have heard of before, which is called HIPAA. Mm -hmm. What's well, abbreviated as HIPAA. HIPAA is short for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. I'm sure most people have heard the acronym HIPAA, though. Basically, what it does is it determines when and under what circumstances medical providers can share your medical information. Now, as a general rule, Amy, as a patient, uh, we don't want our medical information shared with everybody, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a private issue between ourselves and our doctors. Um, so that said, whenever you go to the doctor, you fill out some forms to indicate who can see what and everything else, and that's great. The problem is a more practical one. If this 18-year-old, hypothetical 18-year-old, ends up in a car accident and they're taken to the hospital in a coma, they don't have the ability to sign paperwork that says, I want you to tell my parents or I want okay. you to tell my boyfriend or girlfriend. They don't have that ability. So therefore, HIPAA prevents uh, the, 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 the dissemination of this information without affirmative consent. 
What does that mean as a practical matter? Well, what that means is if your 18-year-old child does not have an estate plan in place, those basic powers of attorney, not only can parents not make medical decisions for their child who's in that situation, the parents cannot even receive updates or information on that person's medical condition because sharing that information without the patient's consent, which of course is impossible if the patient is in a coma, violates HIPAA. Who's looking out for the patient's best interest in a scenario like that then when the parents aren't able to make those decisions? Um, someone is incapacitated. Um, what is that? What's that term like a something of the state, a ward of the a state? A ward of the state. I mean, basically what it is is that the hospitals have ethics boards that make those types of decisions. Okay. Doctors, you know, we've all heard of the, well, I shouldn't say all, maybe most of us have heard of the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, right? I mean, that's what medical physicians typically do, but when it comes to updates, I mean, to me, that's the most difficult thing. If, mm-hmm. if I had an 18-year-old child and I couldn't find out how he was doing, uh, that that would be a huge concern for Go me out of your parent. mind. Oh, goodness gracious, yeah, and especially nowadays with, with protocols changing after COVID and everything else, I mean, it, it's only getting worse as far as a physician or a medical staff's likelihood to be able to, for lack of a better word, bend the rules. Mm-hmm. So the remedy is very easy. Go out and get a healthcare and financial power of attorney. Have an estate planning attorney draft those up for you to make sure that the people who you want making those decisions do in fact have the ability to make those decisions. Because admittedly, Amy, and I always walk through this analysis with my clients, is this an event that is likely to happen to a given 18-year-old? The answer is no, it's not likely to occur. But the percentage chance is not zero either. Uh It's not zero. And this is a form of insurance that we can do. We can take these steps to make sure that if we are in that unfortunate position, we as parents have the ability to, again, not only make medical decisions, but to be able to receive information about our child's condition at that point in time. Our number here, if you have a question for Rob Milik of Milik Law, the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline is 885-4446, 885-4446. I say it often because it's true. Rob Milik, you have a gift for taking something complicated and just boiling it down so it's not so complicated and not so scary. I think one of the reasons people procrastinate and put things off like estate planning is because of the uncertainty and putting it all out there and having someone and go through all your your private information and um, you know get it done and move on and know that you have that assurance that you have left things in a really good place for those that you're leaving behind. I think that's exactly right. I always tell my clients, you don't do estate planning for yourself, you do estate planning for your loved ones. Mm-hmm. And again, I, 15 years in this practice, Amy, I've learned that people grieve differently. Right? Some people, they, they process emotion very differently when it comes to the passing of a loved one. One thing I can tell you with 100% certainty though, is I've never once had a client or a client's child say to me, I really wish they hadn't done this estate planning. <laughs> in, in fact, it's the opposite. It, it's one less worry that they have to deal with, uh, as opposed to a situation where they're worried about grief and the disappointment of losing a relative and, and sometimes the suddenness of it too. Um, at least this is one other thing they have to check off the list because when it comes to death and dying, unfortunately, we're all going to pass away at some point. It's, it's a given. We will all pass away until there's an immortality pill. Uh, we're all going to pass away at some point. So this is an event that will occur. This is an event that might occur or is likely to occur or is unlikely to occur. It will occur. We don't know when. We don't know under what circumstances. So in my opinion, it makes sense to take steps to make sure that that process, that inevitable process, goes as quickly, as easily, and as inexpensively as possible, and with as minimal governmental interference as possible as well. That's one of the main things I try to encourage my clients to do is to create plans that are going to eliminate the government from having to oversee the administration of the estate. 
And I think that right there, what you just shared, is uh, enough of a jolt that might jumpstart the process for some people. Because when you use that word government, uh, people definitely don't want that. That's right. And, and, and again, we work hard for our money. We, we want to make sure that it goes to the people and the causes that we want it to go to. We don't want it mm-hmm. going to the government. We don't want uh, a lawyer to have to be paid to probate the estate. Uh, we have the ability to bypass that process through the, what's called the creation of a trust. And I'm sure later in the episode we'll talk about the differences between will and trust planning, but that's just kind of a little primer there. The way we avoid probate, which is where the government oversees the administration of the estate, is to create a trust. It's the only guaranteed way to do it. Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions a lot of my clients and likely listeners are listening or er, have in their mind is the fact that they think if they have a basic will, that that's good enough. That and the, it's not. And it's not. The, the, the wills can avoid probate, but they're not guaranteed to avoid probate. The only guaranteed way to avoid probate is to create a trust. So that's what I educate my clients on and, and give them full information. Again, I, I know for some people who've never heard me before, this might be hard to believe, but I, you know, when it comes to estate planning, I try to give information. I'm not bashing anybody over the head. I, I don't go to hard sales, anything like that. I believe in full information. I believe that the only way to make an informed decision is to have a full set of facts. So that's what I do from my prospective clients. I give you a full set of facts and then let you decide how we do it. And that's something I learned very early in law school. As lawyers, we are not in a position to tell our clients what to do. That's not our job. Our job is to make sure that clients know the consequences of either action or inaction. And so long as they understand those consequences, the decisions they make are on them. Uh, mm-hmm. They've earned the right to have that ability to be autonomous and make their own choices. I just wouldn't be doing my job as an estate plan attorney if I didn't give my prospective clients full information and then let them decide what to do with it. And that's kind of another topic. I mean, we were talking about the idea of kind of the progression of an estate plan. The moment someone turns 18, they need to have those powers of attorney. The next event that may cause people to want to update their documents is, and I'll combine two events that don't necessarily go in this order, but usually they do, um, marriage and children. Um, So those are two life events that get kind of tied together. As far as marriage, Wisconsin is a marital property state, which basically means that in the absence of a prenuptial agreement, everything is presumed to be owned 50-50 between the two spouses. So that clearly changes the estate planning analysis. But having children is is really the the, the key issue. And what I'd argue is it's kind of the, the main passion of mine as an estate planning attorney. When it comes to money, when it comes to where assets go up on death, certainly that's important. And and again, nobody wants the government to be involved more than they need to be. Nobody wants to spend money unnecessarily when it comes to administering the estate. But there is something more important than money when it comes to estate planning. And to me, that is determining guardianship of minor children. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you this, this is that's an area that most of my prospective clients are simply unaware of, or they even worse have incorrect information. What is some of the incorrect information out there? Because that's dangerous. Yeah, a lot of my clients will say, well, and because I'll mention that. It's one of the things I I coach hockey, I coach football. My my son's uh, friends have parents and we talk, you know, what do you do for a living, everything else. Mm -hmm. And I mean, these are educated people. Uh, These these are people who have their children's best interest in mind. And they'll say things to me like, well, we already have that taken care of. I have a a notarized letter from my bank saying that uh, if I die or if my, my wife and I or my husband and I die, the kids go to my parents or my sibling. And what I say is that's great. It's completely legally unenforceable. Um, The only way to determine guardianship of minor children is to have it through an estate plan. Literally the only way. Anything short of that, it doesn't matter if the letter is notarized by 10 different notaries, by judges, priests, none of it matters. 
if it is not reduced to an estate plan, it will be completely unenforceable under Wisconsin law. So as parents of minor children, that's something that we ought to know. Uh, even if people listening in the audience may have grandchildren under the age of 18, right? And then this is something you ought to let your children know about, that the only way to determine guardianship of children is to have it through an estate plan. And in the absence of that, a court will make a guardianship determination. And that can be difficult, right, for, for a lot of reasons. It could be a situation where there are multiple qualified people, or even worse, there could be someone who is imminently unqualified, who we as parents would not want to get involved, but if that person happens to hire the best attorney who happens to make the most compelling argument to the judge on that day, guess what? That person's gonna be awarded guardianship. As parents, the only way we can prevent that and make arguably the most important decision we can make as it relates to our estate plan, being able to determine guardianship is, again, if we put it in a formally drafted estate plan. It's the only way that can be accomplished. I can't imagine the, the blank looks that you must get from folks when you have conversations like that. Oh, no, it's fine. It's, you know, notarized in my bank lockbox. And no, like <laughs> completely blowing their comfort right out of the water. Right. And again, that's that's not to scare people. That's not my goal. No, not at all. But at the same time, I wouldn't be doing my job if I said, yeah, you know, that's legal. First, first of all, I would be misrepresenting that to the person I'm speaking to. And secondly, it's important. I mean, if you're going to go to the time and the effort of getting a notarized statement, then with all due respect, you should probably go through the time to actually make sure it's enforceable and creating an estate plan that will make it enforceable. So that is, again, something that does surprise a lot of the people. Who, and again, I'm not even talking clients here. These are casual acquaintances. Like I said, kids who I happen to coach sports with their parents or whatever the case is. You so, never know what will come up in a conversation. Well, that's sure. Uh, and, and certainly in the case of hockey, we, we try to talk about anything but hockey with the parents. <laughs> uh, I think you better focus more on the hockey well, there, Rob Mielek. You shared those stats with me off well, air. Well, you know, it's funny. We're, we're, we were talking off air about that. And uh, this is my first year as a head coach in hockey. And uh, you know, I've been an assistant coach for a while. They, they offer the head coaching position to me. And I'll, t I'll tell a quick story about this. I think it's kind of funny. It might be reflective <laughs> of my personality. It might give you a little bit of a view into who who Rob is here, uh, the, the guy who's the head of the, the program um, where my kids play. I, I knew him growing up. We, we played hockey with each other. He's a year older, so every other year we played with each other. Okay, that in itself yeah. is really cool. Oh, yeah. S super good guy. He's a lawyer, too. And uh, he said to me, he said, you know, Rob, we want to offer you the head coaching position for the for the Squirt B team. I, I was shocked. I was not expecting to be offered that. And I said, wow. I said, you know, I, I appreciate that. But if you don't mind me asking, you know, why me? I, I, I don't think I'm qualified for this position. And his exact words to me were, we think you have the disposition to handle a team that's likely going to lose a lot of games. Oh. <laughs> and I said, thank what? you, yeah. I, I guess. But no, he said, he's like, you have the patience to deal with it, right? He said, you know, there'll be some coaches who could be yelling and screaming at refs and everything else. And he's like, we know you got dealt a rough hand here. We, you, you have some inexperienced players who ordinarily wouldn't be travel team players, but just based on numbers and where people happen to fall, they're on a travel team. So, uh, and he was right. We are, we are well at 112 and two this year. So we've won one game, we've lost 12, and we've tied two. I'm we, sorry. I don't know why that makes well, me laugh. You can laugh. I mean, it is what it is. The kids are having fun. They're it's like improving. the Bad News Bears baseball yeah. team. They're improving. They're, they give their hearts. I love the way my kids play. Um, it's just we're overmatched. And uh, we did have a tie on Sunday. But again, this is a team we'd lost to earlier this year, uh, gotten shut out by earlier this year, 6 nothing, I think it was. And uh, we tied them one-to-one. -one. 
the, uh, this past Sunday. So th- there is improvement, and uh, it's it's been an interesting experience. Like I said, I, I played college football. I mean, I played high school hockey, too, but I'm much more knowledgeable in football. I'm, I'm a head football coach, too, uh, at my boys' middle school, my other son. Uh, but being a head hockey coach has just been, been very humbling. So to your point, uh, <laughs> off ice, we do tend to talk about things other than hockey. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that inevitably comes up, right? You know, you're a lawyer. What kind of law do you practice? Well, I'm an estate planning attorney. And it just kind of leads into that so and again when it comes to that decision i just want to make sure that my whether it's parents or anybody uh, make sure they have full information so that they can make an informed decision absolutely we're talking with rob Milik of Milik law this is a paid program advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Milik law not wbev or good karma brands our phone number Get this down. The Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline is 885-4446, 885-4446. This really is your show. Rob Mielik of Mielik Law is here to help you. If you have a question, you need some advice when it comes to estate planning, wondering how the heck to get things in order, Rob truly is your guy. So start the conversation, 885 885- Four 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 six. Um, we talk about you being, you know, um, the hometown lawyer. Even though you are here, there, and everywhere, um, you're a busy guy. You always make time for the things that are important. When you know you share stories about uh, the hockey team that you're coaching for your boys, or during football, family is really important to you. And I think, um, from my perspective, you know, we've been doing the show together here for a couple of years. I really think that is part of what drives you, you know, when it comes to doing estate planning. And you shared earlier, you know, that, um, you know, caring about, you know, children, you know, that's a, that's a big passion, passion for you and, and how you do what you do with, um, estate planning. Apparently my cold medication has kicked in. I can't wrap up a thought, Rob. It's all right. (laughs) I'll, I'll bail you out here. Thank you. No, I, I, and I appreciate that, Amy. I, I guess, you know, the way I look at it is this. Because I'm a first-generation lawyer. I, I, I could see many life paths that I could have taken that would have taken me anywhere other than being a lawyer and, and, and running my own law firm, right? I probably always would have been a father. I, I always wanted to be a father. I always wanted to have kids. And I could definitely see myself, if I hadn't gone down this legal path, being in a position where I would want to do what's best for my children. I would want to make sure that they're as protected as they can be. And an estate plan is probably the most important way to protect them. I mean, yeah, people get life insurance, and that's great. If they pass away, they have money for the kid. But, again, the decision of who raises children. I mean, if my wife and I die tomorrow, that could happen, right? Who raises our children for the next eight years of my youngest son's life? Or even if we go back back seven years, eight years, right, when they're four and two, who makes those decisions? I mean, th- th- that is the most important decision. Th- there can't be a more important decision. I know you're a parent, Amy. I mean, th- there cannot be a more important decision uh-huh. there. So that is why that is a passion of mine, to make sure that people who are in the situation that I very well could have been in if I didn't have full information have that full information to be able to decide what they want to do in that regard. Um, and, and the other thing that's interesting about that, too, is, and I, n- I never would have guessed this in a million years, is that about half of my clients, Amy, who are in that position with minor children who do create an estate plan with me, will nominate a non-family member to serve as guardian. Okay, That is surprising to me. You know, it, it, it is and it isn't. I, I've ca- kind of gone back and forth on that. In some ways, yes, <laughs> it is surprising, right? It, it's surprising to say, you know, we want a family member doing it, but then you take a step back. What are these non-family members? First of all, and it's a cliche, especially around this time of year, right? Oh boy, let's we, hear it. We, we, we choose our friends. We're stuck with our family, right? Like, you choose who you associate with on a friendship basis. Mm-hmm. And presumably the people you or anybody else choose to associate with, you like them, right? You enjoy their company. You think they're good people. 
and those people tend to be the people you may want to consider to be parents of your children, uh, if, if you pass away, guardians of your children if you pass away. Secondly, the issue of most people, and again, I'm not going to speak to you specifically, but generally speaking, most of my friends have children about my age, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of our social life is driven by our children, sports teams, uh, musical groups, whatever the case is, right? And if they have children around your age and you think highly of their parenting skills, maybe it makes sense to ask them to serve as guardians of your children. Because again, when it comes to family, broadly speaking, there's two classes there, parents and siblings. Mm -hmm. Well, parents, by definition, are a generation older. Right? Is it fair to, and I hate to use this word, but it's the word that comes to mind, is it fair to saddle your parents with the burden of having to raise your children when they're in their golden years uh -huh. and they're getting slower, not as mobile, not as active? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, and then siblings uh, can be tricky too. I mean, I know a lot of siblings who have very different lifestyles. You know, I always talk, you know, my sister and I are very close, but we are very different people. I mean, she lives on the east side of uh, Milwaukee. She's a marathon runner and a vegetarian. Whoa! I mean, you meet me, yeah, I'm, 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 clearly, <laughs> I'm clearly none of those, right? And like I said, my sister and I get along great. Just, we're, we're two very different people. And don't get me wrong, in, in the specific, I think she'd do a great job raising my boys, but very oh. different, very different lifestyles, very different philosophies, uh, very different everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as you can tell. Um, so I, I guess that's my point, right? If a family member may or may not necessarily be the person you pick, I mean, that's kind of the people the people that most of my parents will default to, mm -hmm. but I'll encourage them to think about that. You know, are you sure that's what you want to do? And that can change over time too. Uh, the people you pick now may not necessarily be the people you pick eight years from now. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Rob Melick of Melick Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer. The Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers Hotline open for your questions at 885-4446. Um, you had mentioned earlier in the show um, will-based planning versus trust-based planning and that we would eventually get to that um, during the program. It kind of seems like we're at a good spot um, to elaborate on that. Read my mind, Amy. <laughs> It's like we've been doing this once or twice, right? No. Um, here, here's what I always tell my clients. When it comes to the difference between will and trust-based planning, I, I've explained this probably thousands of times. And I think the easiest way to do it is to start first and foremost with what a will is and what it does. Because, again, when most people think of the word estate planning or hear the phrase estate planning, will is the f most common word that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. What is a will and what does it do? A well-drafted will is always going to do two things. And when applicable, it's going to do a third. First thing that the well-drafted will does is always determine who your beneficiaries are. Okay, Who or what, in the case of charities, are going to receive the proceeds of your estate after you pass away. Now, it's not just necessarily who receives them, but under what circumstances. I'll give you an example. Okay, As I've mentioned before, I have two boys who are 12 and 10. Okay, the Eventually, after my wife and I pass away, the plan is to pass all the assets to our two boys, evenly. Well. We can't turn it over to them now. We can't turn money over to minors. Even if we could, we wouldn't want to. It would be wasted on Pokemon and who knows what else, right? <laughs> so we wouldn't want to do it anyway, right? We could wait till 18. Legally, we could do that. But many of us in the listening audience have been 18. I'd venture to guess that most of us are more responsible, more mature now than we were at 18. So maybe we don't want to turn money over to an 18-year-old. So we get to pick the age at which we want to turn it over. So again, it's not just who gets it, but under what circumstances. The second thing that the well-drafted will allows us to do is determine who is in charge of the estate. Most people have heard the term executor. You get to pick the executor. The executor's job after you pass away is to shepherd the assets into the estate, pay out final expenses, and then distribute proceeds to the intended beneficiaries. 
The third thing that the well-drafted rule does when applicable is it allows you, as we've discussed before, to determine guardianship of minor children. And again, for those of you who weren't listening five minutes ago, the only way to determine guardianship of minor children is to have it in a state plan. Literally nothing else works. So again, three things the well-drafted rule does. Who the beneficiaries are, who's in charge of the estate, and who gets the kids if you have them. Those are all good goals. I just explained what a will does. Now I need to explain what a will does not do. A well-drafted will, even a perfectly drafted will, is not guaranteed to avoid what's called probate. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. And people talk about four-letter words. Probate's a seven-letter word in my book, right? Um, we want to avoid probate. Uh, what is probate? Let's start there. Most people have a general idea, but let me just recap it. Probate is the process where a court oversees the administration of an estate. When an estate goes to probate, there's a series of hearings, a series of filings, a series of deadlines, a series of events that occur before assets go from the name of the deceased to the names of the beneficiaries. As an estate planning attorney, Amy, my goal is to encourage my clients to create plans that are guaranteed to avoid probate. And we want to avoid probate for three reasons. First is expense. The average cost of probate in a state right now in the state of Wisconsin is between five to $10,000. The second is timing. Average length of probate is about 12 to 18 months. Feels like such a waste of money and time. It is, it 100% is, and, and when it's so easy to avoid it, right? The third thing is, it all becomes public record. So not only can uh, the public see the will, but they can also see the, the contents and the amounts of the assets that you have. And that is a big distinction. For example, and I'll, I'll share this over the air, and I, th I think I've shared this before over the air, I will tell you exactly what my distribution plan is for my will. Even though I've, it's public record, I'll happily disclose <laughs> it, okay? Everything to my wife if she survives me. If she does not survive me, split evenly between my two sons 50-50 upon them reaching the age of 30. Okay. I feel comfortable sharing that with complete strangers. No problem there. And I would venture to say many people would as well. But that's not all that becomes public record if you have a will. The amount and the character of the assets that I have at my death also becomes public record. And that, that I'm not as comfortable sharing no. over the years. So in most of my clients and most people who are listening fall into that camp. And that all does become public record if we have a will. So if... If that's what we have as far as when or the problems with the will, the question is how do we avoid probate? And under Wisconsin law, there's only two ways to avoid probate. One way is if at the time you pass away, when I say you, I mean the second of a married couple or the non-married individual. Okay. okay. Once he or she pass away, if the value of the assets, uh, the, I'm sorry, excuse me, if the value of the probate assets are less than fifty, five zero, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, that's considered a small estate. And under Wisconsin law, Amy, small estates avoid probate no matter what. Okay. Now I'm gonna take that exact same sentence, I'm gonna rework it in the context of wills. Okay. The only way a will-based plan will avoid probate is if at the time you pass away, you have less than $50,000 worth of probate assets. If you have more than $50,000 worth of probate assets, a will is not enough. And again, I'm sure there's a wide spectrum of net worths and assets among people listening in the audience here. But what I can tell you is this. Most of my homeowners have more than $50,000 worth of equity just in their homes. Sure. We don't even talk about other assets. So for most people, will-based planning will not be sufficient. The only other way to avoid probate under Wisconsin law is instead of creating a will-based estate plan, we create what's called a trust-based estate plan. That's really what the gravamen of the difference is between wills and trusts. Wills can avoid probate. Trusts are guaranteed to avoid probate. And guaranteed ironclad ironclad when they're funded properly okay right the, the example i give is this and I, i've used this example before okay creating a trust is like buying a car okay i've used this example many times in public speaking engines i'm sure i've used it on this radio i'm trying before. to remember yeah I, yeah well i'll, I'll rewalk you through it <laughs> maybe the cold medicine's affecting it i don't know because i'm sure i've used it before okay 
before I do that, though, I'm going to explain very briefly what how I synthesize the car buying process. Okay, most people when they go to a dealership, they have a general idea of what they're looking to purchase. Right? Maybe they know what brand, they know what type of car. Maybe they test drive a few cars, literally or figuratively, kick the tires on the car have a conversation with the dealer, haggle if they feel comfortable doing that, eventually agree on a price, sign the paperwork, get the keys, drive it off the lot. Okay, that's basically the process summed down to 20 seconds. And in the hundreds, if not thousands of times I've explained that to audiences, I've asked this question. And I'll bet during that process that we're all familiar with, never once has anybody ever had a dealer or a salesperson said to them, now remember, you got to put gas in the car. <laughs> right? Captain Obvious. You bet. And it is Captain Obvious. But but what does that mean? Okay? If someone buys a brand new car, that car could be working perfect function. But if they don't put gas in the car, eventually it's going to stop working. Mm -hmm. Okay? Similar with the trust. I can, as an estate plan attorney, I can create the best trust in the world. Ironclad, to use your word from before. But if my clients don't fund it properly, and that's largely outside my control as to whether they fund it, then we have a problem. It's not going to avoid probate. I can, t I can and do tell my clients what they need to do. Uh -huh. I can and do tell my clients why they need to do it and how to do it. But if they don't actually go to their banks and go to their insurance companies and go to these other holders of these assets to make sure that the trust is listed as a beneficiary, then the trust is not going to avoid probate. So it's, it's, it's similar. I'm a big fan of analogies, as you know. It's like going to the doctor, right? If the doctor tells you you got to do certain things to stay alive or not be subject to heart disease or whatever the case is, well, you as the patient choose to either do them or not do them, right? right. I mean, it, it's not the doctor's fault if you eat poorly or, or, or smoke or whatever the case is and you end up passing away. Um, it's kind of the same thing here with estate planning, right? I, I will walk my clients through step by step what they need to do. Uh, and to use one final cliche, I can lead the horse to water, but can't force it to drink, right? I mean, it's the same general concept there. So again, it's important that we make sure that we fund it properly, but when we do fund it properly, the trust is guaranteed to avoid probate for a very simple reason. The trust can't die. It's that simple. As human beings, we have no idea who is going to pass away before whom. We can look at some factors that make it more or less likely, age, yeah. health, whatever the case is, but nobody can state with any degree of certainty whether any particular human being will survive another. I can, however, state with 100% certainty that your trust will survive you because the trust can't die. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the logic behind trust-based planning, and that's hopefully a good summation of the differences between wills and trusts. We're talking with Rob Melick of Melick Law. Rob is your hometown lawyer, and he is happy to take your calls. If you have any questions, you need some advice, ring us up on the Wisconsin Dells Lucky Numbers hotline at 885-4446-885-4446. I'm Amy Hudson here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge, streaming live at dailydodge.com. I did get a text from LA. Um, gentleman had called in wondering if you can help someone who is uh, vision impaired write an estate plan. I have. Actually. Okay, yes, great. I actually have. Um, so, yes, um, I, I have, and, and we'll, we'll, I, I, off the top of my head, I can think of two or three, but it might be more than that, uh, that I've helped over the years. So, yes, I'd be more than happy to help that gentleman or any other person out uh, with estate planning based on their based on their needs or issues there. And share your you phone know. number, Rob Mielek, how folks can get a hold of you. I know that you also don't mind texting. You're a texter. I am. I'm a, I'm a millennial, for better or worse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I'll just kind of go through the whole thing there. So I, I do have uh, four offices, uh, the most local to which would be, for most people listening, would be the Beaver Dam office. Uh, Sandy is uh, very nice and lets me work out of her office there. Um, I do also have offices in Germantown, West Bend, and Port Washington. Uh, my phone number is 262 
347-3444. Again, 262-347-3444. Uh, you can reach me at that number for any of those locations, 24-7, either by phone or by text, uh, whichever you prefer. I, uh, even though it may be informal, I'm a fan of texting, even for legal issues. Obviously, I don't want to be texting social security numbers and things like that, but as far as uh, inquiries, I'm happy to respond by text as well. Uh, and as I mentioned before, I do also make house visits, uh, especially as the weather gets like this. A lot of times, okay. prospective clients don't want to drive in that weather. Uh, I have no problem driving in this weather. So, I mean, obviously, if it's really bad, I won't. But <laughs> as a general rule, uh, I don't mind driving in the snow. So if you want to meet at the home, uh, that's great. Happy to do it. Uh, or one of my offices. Uh, I do also offer free initial consultations to anybody. That, that's not a perk of being a WBEV, excuse me, WBEV listener. Everyone gets afforded that privilege of uh, free initial consultations. Uh, but what you do get as it being a WBEV listener is a 20% discount off of legal services. So uh, if you do decide to give me a call, again, whether that is to review uh, existing documents or to talk about the possibility of creating new documents, uh, please just mention you heard me on WBEV and we'll take 20% off the bill for you. That's fantastic and so generous, Rob. Um, do you find people will come in together as a family when they're getting an estate plan in order or is it more so a private matter between um, you know husband and wife or the person who is putting the plan together for themselves here's what I can tell you I'd say the overwhelming majority of the time family is not involved okay okay I would love family to be involved more often. I was just thinking communication oh, goodness, yes Yes. Or you get to deal with the aftermath That's of right. when siblings are fighting. And That's right. I, I am a big fan of family meetings. That said, though, I am also a fan of clients having the ability to choose who knows their information, right? I take the attorney-client privilege very seriously. Uh, I will not waive that. I, I can't ethically waive that for anybody unless I have affirmative consent from my clients. If my clients tell me I can talk to their children, I'll talk to their children. If my clients tell me I can talk to their financial advisor, or their tax preparer, or their accountant, I will talk to them. But without that affirmative consent, I don't share anything. Mm -hmm. That said, in an ideal world, I would love to have a lot more family meetings because, again, having everybody on the same page just benefits everybody. What I will also tell you is this, and this is purely anecdotal. I don't have any empirical evidence on this, but I would say <laughs> this. I would say the older the client, the more private they are. Okay. And I think that might be a generational thing. I don't know what the case is, but I can tell you just based on the number of clients I had, the, the 15 years of doing this, that is a pretty uh, pretty high correlation there. Um, it tends to be some of the younger clients say, you know what, I want my kids to know this. And a lot of times it's because they went through it with their own parents. Okay. And they saw how privacy made things difficult, how um, it, it knotted things up to not have that relationship with that attorney or that tax preparer, or that financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to make the same mistake for their children. So, yeah. uh, But again, that is always the client's decision, always, always, always. But I do encourage my clients to at least consider uh, having those types of open meetings just for the free sharing of information that that has significant value in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Rob Mielek of Mielek Law joins us the third Monday of every month here on your hometown station 95.3 WBEV powered by Daily Dodge streaming live on dailydodge.com. What else would you like to cover today? Well, we have a couple more minutes we here do. so let's let's start here. Um, First of all, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. I, I guess first and foremost, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, whatever whatever you celebrate there. Um, but yeah, um, just looking forward to being able to spend the holidays with my family. Hope you guys are able to do the same as well. Um, but yeah, it's that's just one thing I want to get out there, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Merry Christmas to you and your family, Rob. Do you have any uh, family traditions, anything that you guys do traditionally on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? You know, not really. Uh, it, it's funny. We... Um, <laughs> 
the closest thing we have to a family tradition, this is going to sound ridiculous, by the way, but, but, <laughs> but bear with me here. Um, so I, people in the radio listening audience may know this, I don't fly. Uh, I haven't flown since 2018. Just uh, something I don't do. Uh, I can't really explain it. It's, it's, it. As someone who's very logical and rational for what I do for a living, I can't really explain that one other than I don't know what the pilot's doing. So I don't like being just in a situation. not comfortable with it. Not comfortable with it, right? So my wife is from Baltimore. So she uh, typically will take the boys out to Baltimore at some point. Last year, I drove out to see them. I surprised them. I remember um, that. Yeah, but uh, this year, I, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> a, a, a tradition that we have might be a little ridiculous to some. My, my wife has a peanut allergy, okay, which is tough. It's unfortunate. Uh, what's also more unfortunate is I love peanuts. Um, oh. But at any rate, another thing with that is I also love Thai food. And uh, there is a Thai restaurant that a buddy of mine owns in downtown Milwaukee. And my dad says it is the best, in his opinion, the best meal ever. I love it. I can't have it with my wife. So that's our Christmas Eve tradition. We will get Thai food uh, and uh, and hang out as a uh, with my parents and my sister to be able to do that. That's so, nice. Yeah. And it was like I said, my sister's a vegetarian. Uh, Thai food has a lot of good vegetarian options. So I, I get chicken, but she can get vegetables and <laughs> all that other good stuff. So that's, that's about it as far as family tradition. So how about you? Oh, my goodness. That is a big question. Um, we do cookies on Christmas Eve. We do um, cookie decorating. And no matter how old the the girls are, we do the traditional reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Nice. We all open up one gift on Christmas Eve. And uh, that's really it. So nothing too exciting. Okay. I'm hoping we get to go out and do some, we get to do some sledding, some tobogganing. Yeah. Um, sounds like we have quite a bit of snow that's headed our way before Christmas. And so it'd be white so, Christmas for sure. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Do you guys put a Santa hat on Fox? Your, uh, um, <laughs> the, 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 the dragon. He's a yeah. dragon, right? Bearded dragon, yes. yeah. No, she uh, she would not wear a hat. I, I don't think that would work out so well. But uh, <laughs> she's she's hanging in there. She's she's still kicking, literally and figuratively. So uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll be sure to feed her on the five days that he's not there. So make sure she gets her crickets and all that good stuff, the the bugs and oh. yeah, she's uh, she's something else. But uh, no, it's uh, it's always a fun time of year. So like I said, we're going to be doing the, uh, the the Santa thing with the uh, with with uh, my referral sources. So. It'll be fun. I'll take my oldest son out. I don't remember if we talked about that on air or off the air. That's why I was um, I, It's been a whirlwind. It of, has been. Like, <laughs> I think that was off the air. So let everybody know. That's one of the things I do. I If, if, if you're hearing it again, you're hearing it again. But uh, that's what I do. The, the, the last day of school, which for my boys is this upcoming Wednesday, uh, I take one boy out of school every year. It's my older son this year. And we drive around and we play Santa. So uh, it'll be fun. Uh, plus, Kringles are delicious. I don't know if you're a Kringle <gasps> fan, but that's what we're getting everyone this year. So. Is it Racine Kringle? It's O&H Kringle, which is oh, in Racine. So. Nice. Yeah. And what's really funny, and you gotta, you got to give context to this story, right? This was you know 25 years ago before it was popular. I mean, I think a lot of people now have what I call the second fridge, right? A lot of people have it in their garage or in their basement. But 25 years ago, it just wasn't that common, right? I mean, I, living that age time, it just wasn't that common. But my best friend growing up, he did have a second fridge. And at any given time, there would be no exaggeration, Amy, between 60 and 80 Kringles in that fridge. What? His, his dad worked in Racine right across from the OH factory. Oh, and he would just buy my Kringle goodness. He was one of three boys, and I was there all the time. So they were, you know, And they were all really close in age, like two-and-a-half-year age difference between the three, and then me, too. So the four of us and everybody would just slaughter these Kringles. So uh, they have a bunch of different flavors now. It's O&H is the, uh, the, the Kringle company that we use. So okay. we have a Christmas Kringle, chocolate fudge Kringle. So we just uh, get a bunch of them and uh, deliver them uh, on the 21st. So oh, that that's fun. Looking forward to that, for sure. Do you wear a Santa hat? I do, and so does Grady. Grady has an elf hat, actually. So 
Uh, I don't know if the elf hat still fits him. We'll have to see. But uh, the last time he went, he wore an elf hat. But you got to figure that was 2019 now because we didn't go in 2020. And Hudson went with me last year in 2021. He still fits in the elf hat. So, yeah, it'll be good. And then uh, we're off hockey for a while. So we still have practice. We have practice tonight and Wednesday. But uh, they're off until New Year's Eve. Although a game on New Year's Eve at 5 p.m. What? Yeah. Who set that up? It wasn't me. I can tell you that. You need but. to uh, have the final okay on those schedules, well, Mr. That, Mila. And that's the thing. And what's funny is that's a team, like I said, we're 1-12-1. and one. That's one of the two teams we tied. So I kind of want to keep that game. <laughs> I, I, I just I just hope I hope we have enough players to play in that game. That's the only <laughs> issue. But I'll, I'll, I'll get a, a straw poll at practice this week and see what we can do. But if it was one of the teams that had beaten us by double digits, I probably would have found a way to cancel it. But, oh, uh, my. Goodness. We were competitive with this team, so we, we want to keep it. <laughs> Rob Milik of Milik Law, we are wrapping up for the show today. Rob, please share your phone number again so folks can reach out to you to set those appointments. Absolutely. My phone number, which you can call or text at any time. It's good for all my offices. 262-347-3444. Again, 262-347-3444. Offices in Beaver Dam. Germantown, West Bend, and Port Washington. I do also make house calls, free initial consultation, and 20% off for, for all uh, WBEV listeners. Rob Mielek, always a pleasure, and look forward to being back in the studio with you in 2023. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Same to you and yours, Amy. Thank you. Take care. Rob Mielek of Mielek Law joins us the third Monday of every month here on your hometown station, 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of Melik Law, not WBEV or Good Karma Brands.